So uh, I'm going to do an intro tonight on a new series that I'm going to be uh, speaking on Sunday night. <clears throat> and I just named it something because I heard this several times through our worship. So I'm going to call it Building a Life on the Red Letters of Christ. The Commands of Christ. So, uh, let's let's pray and we'll get started. Father, uh, we thank you for Jesus. He he lived and walked and spoke on the same planet that we walk on, and we have in written form what he said, and we call it holy word. Um. And Father, you've also given us your Holy Spirit, which is power to do those words. So Father, would you just excite us to the fact that we have the blueprint for the most powerful life that a human could live, that we would practice new disciplines that are life-giving and that are straight from the red letters of Jesus that are found in Scripture. So Lord, open up our eyes and help us to see and understand what we have right in front of us and right within us. Um, Lord, excite us to the truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I wanted to start out <clears throat> tonight. I've, I've done this before, but I wanted to just go back again to sort of a foundation point with uh, and, and take you back to Moses coming out of um, Egypt. Okay, so Moses, we believe, had something like two million uh, Jewish slaves to deal with. Now, what he was dealing with was complete and utter chaos. Okay? These people did not know how to be free. So, they're, see, they're encountering for the first time decisions and choices that they had the freedom to make and the consequences of those choices. And it was create, it, was, it was just, uh, if you can imagine having two million people out there just going after it for whatever they wanted, however they wanted it, this was not community. It wasn't working. So if you can think of, of Moses just absolutely being at his wit's end and climbing a mountain and not eating or drinking until the Lord connected to give him some help i mean nothing else he's just like i'm gonna go up here and die <laughs> this is not working what have you done to me right you ever felt like that well you can get actually have access to the lord see we can seek the lord when we got chaos he has order to share to implement because he's got the answers to the problem so here he goes up the mountain he connects long story short the lord gives him the ten commandments um and he takes them down the mountain and begins to employ them and what it does is it brings order to chaos okay i mean it works why why does it work why did those ten laws work why do they still work because of the laws of nature you got natural law you got moral law you got relational law the one who made those laws 
is the one who gave the remedy to the problem. See, so what he's doing is he's saying, here, if you'll follow these, you're going to eliminate the violations that are creating the chaos. Because that's what you do. If you don't know what you're doing when it's messing up a relationship, you're violating a principle, a human nature principle. People will not receive you. It's just the way that it is. They might put up it with you, but they're not going to receive you. There's not going to be a wholehearted thing take place until you learn. And that's the beauty of the Lord. He'll show you how to live with others, with him and with others. That's what the Ten Commandments are. The first four with, with him. The last six are with others. It's just going to bring health and wholeness to, to your community, okay? to your little group. Hopefully it begins with your own family. So the one who made it all gave Moses the secret sauce. That's what, I don't know why I said that, but that's just kind of what it came. They got the secret sauce. They got to implement the law. Okay, and he was saying, you guys are going to be some very special, peculiar people on the planet because you're the only ones with the special sauce. Hammurabi over here had his code of law not good. Right? It was, it was authoritarian in its nature. Here, do this, but I, there's going to be a king over you that does whatever he wants to do. There was no freedom. There was no relational uh, thing going on. It wasn't healthy. It, people weren't wholehearted. Okay, so Moses comes and he delivers this law that works because he got it from the one who knows what's going on. Moses is considered the single greatest legislature of all time. Even if you don't believe in God, how in the world did he come up with something that wise? I mean, it's, it's something to ponder. I mean, if you don't even go along with the whole God on the mountain thing, then this guy is super special to have come up with this. Western civilization is built upon it. We haven't come up with anything better. Nobody, because there isn't anything. Except, except some of the depth that Jesus gives, which is what we're going to, he, he, he started with that and he went straight to the heart is what Jesus did. So we've been given some good, good things. And then, uh, you know, these, I wrote down these 10, but I don't have a, y'all know the commandments. No other gods beside God. No idols worship only God. Always speak God's name with respect. Have uh, a day of rest and worship. Obey your parents. Do not hurt others with words or actions. Keep your promises. Do not steal. Always tell the truth. Do not be jealous or envy. I mean, if you follow those things, you're going to have a solid life. I mean, things are going to work for you if you do that. It's just because you're not violating principles that are. They are what they are. You're either going to violate them and suffer the consequences, or you're going to line yourself up with them and, and be blessed. It's just there's no two ways about it. We're finding in, in uh, the world today that as people are understanding that Christianity and the church does no, no longer has the top spot that we have shared for a, a, mo most of the 200 years or so that we've been a nation, now that they're, they're like, okay, we don't have to worry about fighting against Christianity, now they're rediscovering the beauty of Christianity. And what Christianity gave to the planet. They're like, hey, this stuff works. You know, Some of the atheists that are out there are living the Ten Commandments better than us. 
Why? Because they were. You can't do that and have good, you can't violate these things and have good relationships. So they follow them. They don't know that necessarily, but they follow them, right? Just the way that it is. These are creational norms, the design of God's created order translated into divine laws that govern the way human individuals and cultures ought to operate. Wise people put light and the world together to figure out the creational norms around them. And that's what we did. You know, I always use the, the creational norm of gravity because it's even Stephen, doesn't matter where you go. I've been in India, that's a whole other side of the globe, works exactly the same. Exactly. It's just a norm. You learn to live with it. So the thing that gave the Jewish nation an upper hand over everybody else is that they had God giving them that secret sauce about how everything worked. He said, hey, do this. He told them what to do and then taught them how to teach it in life. He inculcated is the word there. To inculcate is to instill an attitude or idea or habit by persistent instruction. That he inculcated those his ways into his peculiar people, and he did that very well. And that's why they stand out above every other group of people. When they followed the Ten Commandments, they were blessed. When they didn't, they got clobbered. And we see that through the story of the Old Testament. It's not just like magical protection, right? It's practical outworking. Now, yes, God's grace is present, and he is doing God-like things as he hovers over his, over his people, but it's because they're lining up with things that are within what he's made. They're living properly. They're getting the results of that. It's very practical. You know how practical the Bible is? It will bless you to let it be as practical as it is. So let me read this to you. The first followers of Jesus were a band of brothers who traveled with him and learned from both his lifestyle and teaching. The secret to bringing heaven to earth. As a rabbi, it was expected that Jesus would give to his chosen students his own interpretation of the scriptures, and this he did in many commands. The commands made up a yoke of teachings. Every rabbi, and we've talked about this before, every rabbi uh, in the Jewish community had a specific yoke, that's what they called, their interpretation of scriptures and commands. And they all saw it a little bit differently and would teach it a little bit, a little nuanced, each one of them. Jesus said that his yoke was light, not cumbersome or complicated. It was a clear set of commands and commentaries on the popular schools of the day. Jesus' teaching, however, was different. It came with authority and produced results that made lives better in tangible ways. Unlike other religious leaders, these were not mystical or abstract teachings to be interpreted by elite followers, but guidelines for living that every human could understand and profit from. He committed this core curriculum to the disciples in the form of a handful of commands. And I've seen different numbers of them. doesn't really matter what they are exactly, but that's what we're going to go through, these specific commands. He said, do this. So that's what the study is going to be. Many commands Jesus gave were to individuals, such as to the rich young ruler to sell all, or to Peter to step out on the water. If you remove these, then you've got just a handful of commandments that are general uh, but specific to humans. 
okay? And that's what we want to look at. We want to take a look. What did he say to do, and how might we be uh, violating those things? You know, it gives us an opportunity to cry out in our weakness and say, God, I can see this is your command, and I am doing this. Now, he knows that. He wants us to repent and ask for grace and the power of the Spirit to align and live differently so that we get better results because it, it is what it is. It's the way that it goes. So whenever a commandment is practiced, there is a blessing. These are not merely instructions for followers of Jesus, but statements that define how mankind can live in harmonious alignment with the laws that govern the physical and moral universe. These non-optional life principles explain the law of cause and effect operating throughout the entire realm of creation. Like gravity, these laws apply to believers and unbelievers alike. A man who honors his wife and is diligent in his work is likely to have a more successful marriage and career than a person who claims to follow Jesus but is abusive to his wife or is lazy at work, right? Isn't that the way it works? When we practice the commands, we place our human hands upon the levers that shape the spiritual and physical realm we live. We become the farmer, and our life becomes the field. Jesus' teaching, his words, become the seed that produces a harvest rich in blessing or barren of fruitfulness. Depending on our diligence to work the soil of our hearts. That's what it comes down to. So following the dramatic events of Jesus' death and resurrection appearance, and appearance, the sacred writings of Luke tell us that Jesus spent 40 days teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God. This was the finishing school for the young apostles. He had given them parting instructions before ascending to heaven. And that is what they faithfully taught. Okay, Now I want to go to Acts chapter 2. This is what Jeremy uh, preached from a few weeks ago. And it really is, it's kind of captivated me as this is right here. That's what I wrote in my newsletter article this week, just a paraphrase of it, and said, hey, if we do this and this and this and this, ask for the Spirit to move on these verses and live this out. There's no telling what God's going to do. He's going to do some good things. So Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them uh, to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as could be saved. Doesn't that sound good? Man, what if God was adding to the church daily? We wouldn't know what to do with that. It would be so overwhelming, we'd just have to say, God, you're going to have to do this. We can't do this. We can't, we can't take care of this and just let him keep doing it. It's exciting to me that we are just a few things away from finding that space where God can be God and shine his light through his people because we've lined up with him. Y'all know those, uh, those shades in, in you know, certain houses, it's like a bunch of these strips and you turn them and they, they can line up with where the sun is and then it comes flooding through. That's what we're talking about. Just some adjustments. 
all of us are a little shade. We've got to get, we've got to get, catch the light right. Let it shine through. That's what these are like. The apostles' doctrine, that's what they were teaching. See that in verse 42? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's what they were doing. They were, these apostles were teaching the things that Jesus taught them. Everything that he learned, his, his core curriculum, that's what they were talking about all the time. They were living out the red letters. Y'all know the Bibles that have the red letters, right? This is what Jesus said. Those are, those are important. That's why they make them red, so they'll stand out. Our Lord spoke these words. Pay attention. So if we're talking about building a life, I put down Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man who built, which built his house upon a rock. Isn't that good news? God will tell you what to do if you'll humbly seek him and then follow through. You don't even have to have the power to do it. In fact, you can't. You say, God, you supply the power. I'm just giving myself to this. He will lift you up and show you how to do this thing. It works. It's talking about building a life that is strong, that withstands the storms that we are promised to have. This is a difficult day. It's a difficult life. It's, it really is. The winds blow. The storms come. He's saying, look, I will... Build your life in such a way that you will give witness to how powerful I am and how smart I am so that everybody can see what a strong life looks like so that you can be a shelter for those who didn't build so well and their life fell apart. Living out the red letters, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6, I'm not going to read it for uh, time, but it talks about that, Jesus being... Uh, honored above the house that Moses began to build. Jesus came and continued to teach how to build. That's what that Hebrews talks about. Remember that blessing of the, uh, <clears throat> of the first century Jew who was following a rabbi. May the dust of your uh, rabbi's feet rest upon you. That meant they were walking so closely behind the rabbi. They were emulating him in every way. They wanted to do exactly what he did. They wanted to know why he did what he did. They were being taught the intimate details of who he was and, and how he believed to live. And Jesus was uh, the apostle's rabbi. Matthew 28, 20 is talking about teaching them to observe all things that I command, to keep my commandments. And Jesus gives nine special rewards for keeping the commands. And I don't know if I want to go there or if I want to finish up here with some of these, because we're going to dive deep. I think I want to just start with these. We're going to dive deep into these four teachings, okay? So I'm going to finish up here with just giving you a little taste of where we're headed, okay? These, these core curriculum apostles' doctrine. Matthew 5, 48. Let's just, let's just get this one out there because this one's going to set the tone. Matthew 5, 48 says this. This is a commandment. Jesus says, be perfect. That sounds doable. See, so what, what that's saying right out of the gate is forget about it, okay? If you're doing this, it's not me doing it in you. It's you doing it. And so this whole thing is going to be done by me. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive, right? 
And so that doesn't work. That's going to backfire. We cannot do the right thing with the right motives consistently on our own. We might get it right every now and then, but it's not going to be consistent. We're way too complicated, way too messed up to do that. Way too many variables that are coming and going all over the place. Can't do it. The Lord has to do it in us, so be perfect. He begins to teach beyond that. Once we swallow that one and we say, okay, I'm learning to compare myself to the standard that is highest rather than excusing myself by comparing myself to others, right? And the standard's too high. However, the standard is the standard. It does not change. It is not lowered. If it's lowered, it's because you've decided you're going to do what you can do and just, you know, forget about the rest. That's not the standard. The standard is perfection, and Jesus lived it. So the only way you're going to get into that is to let him live through you. It's an in Christ thing. It's a Christ in you thing. None of us uh, can do it. Here's another one. Be reconciled. That's Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Lots of these run through the Sermon on the Mount. Be reconciled. Learn to walk in harmony with others, discerning their needs and building bridges. It's valuing people more than things. Right? It's just giving some common, common uh, modern-day language to scriptures that we've known maybe our whole lives. One of the problems that we have is the law of familiarity. Because especially us, many of us have been in church our whole lives. We know these verses. We know these verses so well that we think we're living them. Sometimes we think we, we're so familiar with them that we think that we're really in them when really we're just inoculated to their power because we're just familiar enough. And that cannot happen. So we may need to break these down and speak about them in, in some modern-day language, make sure we're in the center of things, make sure we're being biblical, but kind of give them new language so we can go, oh, yeah. Here's one. Do not commit adultery. Learn to protect your marriage and your children. That's what that's about. It's learning how to protect. Mastering the appetites of the physical senses and building the spiritual senses to discern right from wrong. Here's one. Uh, keep your word, Matthew 5, 37. Keep your word. Learning to make commitments you keep and recognizing how personal integrity feeds our confidence and influence. Understanding the power of words and expectations. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. Go the extra mile. Giving beyond what is required to change the context of the relationship. Roman law required any Jew to carry a Roman backpack for one mile in any direction. By offering to go beyond a mile, the follower of Jesus made the Romans curious and created a door for sharing their belief. Right? You're doing more because you have all the fuel to do more. And as you do the more, it makes you stand out. People want to know why. Love your enemies. We're going to end with this one. Loving your enemies. That's what sets us apart, folks. That's not an easy one. This one's counterintuitive big time. But it's powerful. Destroying your enemies by making them your friends. Whatever you give energy to expands. By feeding hate, you get more hate. By loving enemies, we feed another powerful spirit. And it, in turn, feeds us with peace of mind. See, these things work. They're counterintuitive, but they work. 
And God is saying, come to me. Do this thing. It's always worked. It always will work. Get into my spirit and let's make sure that we're living in alignment with my word. It's the same doctrine that the apostles taught. We have the very same thing right here. Lord God, may you make it come to life to us again. That we would hunger and thirst after it and teach us how to live it. Show us how to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. As our musicians would come on up, we're going to have a little time of an invitation time. So let's pray as they're, as they're coming up. Father, we're so grateful that you've given us your word, Lord. They're even in red letter. Jesus, your very words. We have your words. We have your spirit. We ask you to fill us up, Lord God. Fill us. Fill us. God, would you just do it again here? Do, do what you've done before again. We're crying out to you, Lord God, that we do, wouldn't do, just do church on Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday. Lord, that we would do the word of God. That we would be building a life that is indestructible because you're the foundation. You're the solid rock. Open the eyes of our heart and help us see the brilliance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we're so grateful that you're here to do that. And we honor you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.